On today's show, the Dallas Mavericks introduced Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd in their introductory press conference. I was there. We'll tell you all about it. The NBA Finals continue to rage on. We'll preview Game 5. And then our power rankings. Got some Olympics talk. Nick Angstead, Adam Mara is here. Locked on NBA. You are Locked on NBA. Your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. You know, I've been on the back row right now watching it on TV, and so I want to, you know, be able to touch the car. And welcome. You're locked on to NBA. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, and I'm joined, as always, on every Friday, host of Locked On Nuggets, DNVR's own Adam Mars. What you got for me, Adam? Nothing much, man. Exciting game yesterday. It was fun. I look forward to talking about that one and this weekend's big, pivotal Game 5. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game at only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. All right, on today's show, like I said, we're getting it into the Mavericks press conference, the NBA Finals, and our power rankings. Let's start with the Dallas Mavericks. They introduced Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd on Thursday uh, I was there in person. Isaac Harris was there. We also had uh, Rafael Barlow from the Locked On NBA draft there. So we had three Locked On hosts there. I was nice. pretty proud that we had all those people there. But uh, not a ton of big news, I think, came out of that. But one of the things that was pretty interesting that I thought was that the Dallas Mavericks being being now this new like brain trust, basically, of Nico Harrison, Jason Kidd, and then also course Mark Cuban backing Kristaps Porzingis I thought that it was a, a really interesting thing what they were asked about Kristaps Porzingis so I actually want to play this clip real quick of Mark Cuban interjecting a comment like a question that wasn't asked to him it was a question asked to Jason Kidd and Mark Cuban interjected afterwards about Kristaps Porzingis and how Cuban it seems like really wants to defend Porzingis right now so that second question uh, I said it earlier I think we're excited about KP being healthy I think he's excited. He's ready to work. Um, and I think you're going to see a different KP. Yeah, and honestly, I don't think I can add much more than what Jason said. I think he said it perfectly. Yeah, I, I would like to add something on KP. I think he's been unfairly maligned. You know, during the playoffs, he did exactly what he was asked to do. Exactly. He put team first, and he put his own personal statistics knowing that people were going to give him a hard time because, as he said to me and others, he just wants to win. And to Jay Kidd's point and Nico's point, this is going to be the first season with the Dallas Mavericks where he's coming in healthy. And he's able to work on things other than just rehabbing to get his body ready, to, to get stronger, to work on his game, something he has not been able to do. And, you know, I, I think... You know, I even hear from my own son, and, I, and I've got to sit him down and say, you don't understand, right? You know, to Jay Kidd's point, he's, you know, you can't teach seven foot four, and you can't teach shooting. You can't teach his ability to create shots. But now he's going to have a chance to have some continuity, and that's something he has not had since he's effectively been a rookie. And so I think, you know, with what Jay Kidd and Nico had planned, um, the ability for, for um, KP to work, you know, I think him and Luca are going to be a lot better together. And as, as a team, to, to Nico's point, I think you're going to see a lot of things that are going to make us far better as a team. The biggest part about that to me is that he literally like interjects and comes in to defend Chris Porzingis. Give, give me your quick takeaways on that. 
Well, my first takeaway is that I, I love that Jason Kidd's answer was like four seconds long. And then uh, Nico <laughs> pops in and is like, there's really nothing more to be added to that four second answer. Really, you said everything. So that part yeah. was funny to me. Um, you know, part of me does feel like, you know, um, what is it? Thou dost protest too much. A little, a little bit of like mm. Mark Cuban going all in on the, hey, no, he was incredible. He's such a winner. He came into my office and said, I'm, a, I'm only want to win or whatever. So there's a little bit of that stuff going on. But the truth is, what else were they going to say in this? You you only can go two yeah. ways in a press conference. One of them is to do exactly what they said. No matter, just don't show your hand. Say we love our guy. We don't want to change. The other option is to do what uh, Doc Rivers and uh, Joel Embiid did. <laughs> yeah. press, which just completely throw a guy under the bus. <laughs> Clearly, they weren't going to do that. So, I, I I really don't know don't know that I read anything into this. Yeah, there's there's not a ton to read into it, but I found it interesting that he came to his defense. It seems like either there's there's two reasons for them doing this, right? Because now we know what they did, and so now this is the reason. Either uh, they do believe in Porzingis, they actually do believe that he's a guy that fits perfectly, which theoretically he should fit perfectly with when Luka. healthy. I mean, when healthy, and they may, he may when healthy, stress that part of it for sure, or. They're like gassing him up to like, right. guys, no, we're, we're everybody. We're not trading him. We're, he's all hundred percent what we want and everything. So that way someone comes in and trades right. for him so they can get him off their hands. But what do you think about the Borzinga situation in Dallas? Right. And, and I'll answer this obviously too, but uh, it seemed like when it was going to be Donnie Nelson and Rick Carlisle still as the, you know, in the leadership positions for the Mavericks, it seemed like they were heading down a path where something has to change between Donnie Nelson, Rick Carlisle, and Porzingis, something had to change between those three. And if those other two in leadership were going to stay, it was going to be Porzingis that was on his way out. And now that those two guys have changed, it seems like Porzingis is here to stay, at least to the trade deadline. I mean, I think there's something, too, when you get some fresh voices in, especially those that are like sort of piloting the direction of the team. You know, you do hope that there's a reset. But to me, those things are all auxiliary to the relationship between Luka Doncic and Chris Tapps Porzingis, which to me is at the heart of it. And I think that we can read between the, the read between tea leaves enough to say that I don't know if they're enemies, but they're certainly not great friends. So can you build a team around two guys that aren't great friends? Absolutely. But is that relationship one where some guys on the periphery change, you know, your, your management changes, your coach changes, and all of a sudden the, the relationship blooms? I don't know about that. Um, so to me, the, the central question remains the same. Another question that, that I actually asked to Nico Harrison was, what does this roster need as currently constructed to win a championship? And his answer to me was like culture and mm. what we bring as me and Jason Kidd and to improve that. Right. So I think that goes yep. to that point of uh, the the relationship between Luca and Porzingis. If these two guys, Nico and, and Jason Kidd, can come in and, and fix that or patch it up or at least make it amicable so that those guys work well together. And as well as they work together in 2020, it's not like we've – but we've never seen these guys work well right. together at all. I mean, they played pretty well in the bubble and and all that. So uh, I think that. But then also that that answer, it was sort of he sort of blew it off because he didn't want to say specific players or anything like that. Obviously in Tamper, but uh, that they think that these two guys together can lead them to a title eventually. Uh, and I thought that of course you're going to say that as a, as a team, but uh, it didn't seem like they needed any specific like big sweeping changes to this roster uh, to be where the Suns and the Bucks are right now. Yeah. To your point, though, about this, winning really does cure a lot. And I, I'm not saying it'll cure a relationship. I mean, I do think there is eventually going to have to be, if, if Chris Tapps Porzingis is going to be your second best player, which he's paid to be that, then he, they do have to have some sort of on-court chemistry, respect, and appreciation for each other that they probably don't have just yet. 
but you start winning and it becomes a lot easier to build that. So I do agree with him that that culture is where you start with this, but let's not kid ourselves. There's also some moves they're probably going to have to make. And I don't know if you make those all in one summer to get, uh, but, but a culture is a great start. And I will say, Luca's so young. I've already seen the takes out there. People saying, "When well, once Luca gets out of Dallas or this situation or whatever, he's so young, man. I mean, like, it's not like he's going anywhere. He's in the NBA for the next right. fifteen plus years. Hopefully, he's in Dallas for the next five, six years at, at minimum. That gives you a lot of time to sort of, you know, you focus on culture first. You get everybody on the same page, and then you start adding some of the pieces you needed. One of my favorite parts of the press conference was at one point, Jason Kidd started going down this road where he compared Luca to a car and Hmm. somebody asked him, what things would you want, you know, Luca to improve on? And Kidd was like, well, you know, it's like a car. I really want to get under, get in under the hood of the car. And then later he says, I want to touch the car. Wow. (laughs) So I can't, I can't wait to touch the cars. The metaphor just completely went, got away from him, but uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see what this what, what Jason Kidd and what Nico Harrison are going to do with this roster, and then with Luca and and all that. Seems like they're going to continue to let Luca have the keys, which they should, obviously. But uh, what changes come, and we'll have it all for you on Lockdown Mavs. Any other thoughts? This about? is super super early, you know, like initial reactions. But do you come away from today feeling better or worse about the Mavs than you did this morning before the the presser? No, I'm the exact same. No. I don't think I learned anything specifically about this team that I didn't before. I, I'm, I'm, I guess encouraged a little bit just on the sense of, uh, you know, Jason Kidd says he's grown. One of the things that he was asked is, "How have you grown?" And I think Isaac Harris, my co-host, asked this: "How have you grown since, you know, Milwaukee and Brooklyn and those situations that kind of, you know, crapped out?" And one of the things he said was that you don't know everything. And I'm pretty sure he was talking to himself. Like the way he was using subjects and pronouns and stuff was all over the place today. But uh, that you don't know everything. And I think that's a big thing he learned in Brooklyn. If you think about the Lawrence Frank situation with him, he brought in Lawrence Frank as an assistant. And then halfway through the season, him and Lawrence Frank got in this big fight. And then by the end of the season, Lawrence Frank was literally not traveling with the team, not with the team, just writing daily reports. And so you're like, okay, well, what happened? That That's a guy you brought right. in. And so I hope that's something he learned and, and was humbled by being under Frank Vogel and learning different things from him. And so that made me encouraged that he has maybe grown and learned stuff as a coach. Uh, and then all the personal history of Jason Kidd stuff that we've talked about on this podcast, as well as Lockdown Mavs. Uh, I think Sint Marshall, the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks, is the big difference between you know, what happened with the Mavericks in 2018 when all those stories came out and then to now, uh, how can they go through this whole situation and then hire somebody with a history of domestic violence? Uh, she's the person that, that vetted him and that, that talked with him and spoke with him. And uh, she, per, if you got, if you don't know who Sint Marshall is, she was brought in in 2018 to be the CEO, to make decisions like this, basically to clean up this whole mess that was the Dallas Mavericks business office. And she is a survivor of domestic violence herself. And so mm. she has personal history with this. And so she talked to Jason Kidd. She spoke with him. She vouches for him. And so I think that's a big difference from uh, where we started when that first you know, happened, when Jason Kidd first was uh, announced as the Mavericks coach to, to now. I think that's a, her, her vouching for him, I think, w- was pretty big. So those are my, kind of my two big takeaways from the press conference today. Mavs champions 2022. You heard it here first. Oh, that'd be great. Be great for me personally. It'd be great for just the the NBA. It'd be great for Slovenia. I'm all for it. All right. (laughs) Coming up, let's get into the NBA finals. We got a preview game five. And then, Adam, 
what's wrong with Chris Paul? We got to get to the bottom of it. We'll go deep into the footage. We'll go through to see frame by frame what's wrong with Chris Paul. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up. But before, let's talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline has the uh, odds for everything, so many different things. They have Olympic odds right now. We're going to talk about Olympic teams in a little bit when we do our power rankings. They also have this, this odd that I found today, NBA draft, first round. Number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, minus 2,500. 2,500 for, for Cade Cunningham, plus 1,000 for Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. There has been talks out there, and from our own Chad Ford, that Cade Cunningham may not go number one. So if you're in that camp that thinks there's a possibility Cade might not go, go number one, I would jump on this right now. I am not one of those people, but if you're a big <laughs> gambler on, and you're feeling hey, if you're Come feeling on, it. Man. The odds are good for you right now if you're one of those people that thinks Cade's not going number one. I'm just saying. He's going number one. And if you if you do feel like you're one of those people, uh, go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. Get a 50% welcome bonus. Your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. They're experts. All right. Let's get into the NBA Finals. So, it's 2-2. Season series starts here. Even though we know a whole bunch, we've seen Giannis go off. We've seen Chris Paul have a good game. Devin Booker went off in a loss. Uh, let's just start with what are your thoughts overall about this series, about where it's going, where it's heading. Are the Bucks running away with it now? It's like when it started with Suns 2-0, it was like, oh, Suns dominating. That's it. And then now it's Bucks dominating. Oh, it's over. All that. Well, I do think there's a trend, you know, if you kind of follow from game one, Phoenix looked like the clear better team. Game two, I thought they looked like a slightly better team. Game three, Milwaukee looked better. And then this <laughs> game much better. This game four, you know, was such a, a close battle back and forth. And the thing I, I'm, I take away from game four and really from this whole series is just how tough and resilient Milwaukee has been. Because I actually think Phoenix is the better team and, and has more ways to beat you. But Milwaukee is just so... Uh, especially Drew Holiday and Giannis are just so good at making the extra plays and making the winning plays. And that fourth quarter comeback to me was all about that. They just were clearly the more desperate team. Now, can Phoenix match that desperation now that they're both tied 2-2? I don't know. That's what I want to find out. But I thought that in games three and four, Milwaukee played with a level of determination to pull this one out that I really hadn't seen from any team so far in the playoffs. They looked more desperate to me in game four than any team I'd seen at any point in the playoffs. And that's, and I was just impressed with it. Well, there's such a team. And I've said this, I think so many people have said this. They're such a team. They're front runner, right? Like they play when they're playing ahead. They're so much better than if they're behind. So if that team, which went down, team are you talking about here? Milwaukee, the bucks. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. If the bucks went down three, one, I think that all of a sudden that's, wow. you know, yeah. That that's would be brutal for them. So yeah, they, they would have to you know, come back from behind. Drew See, Holiday, I, I think it's been has a little bit of this though in them. Phoenix is a team that has a bunch of young players, and they've been ahead this entire playoffs. This is why I'm so curious for Game Five. Is because you've had big contributions from Cam Johnson and from Campaign and from uh, Mikael Bridges, guys that are really good role players. But now they're in a moment. They haven't been here since the first round, and even in the first round, game five, no Anthony Davis, LeBron James hobbled. Like They weren't really up against the wall. Now you've got a more or less healthy Bucks team tied, and you're going back to what is certainly a must-win game five for you at, on your home court, or as close to a, mu- a must-win as you can get. I'm so curious if those guys continue to look like they have the mm. last couple weeks. Yeah, that, and 
that's that's going to be huge for them. I think even bigger for the Suns is Chris Paul, right? If Chris yeah. Paul looks like he did in Game 4 again, then this is a completely different conversation. Uh, it's like Devin Booker and Chris Paul can't be good at the same at the same game in this series, right? Like, it has to be one or the other in this so far? I think I know why. I think I can crack this code. There is one Drew Holiday, and whoever he is guarding, the, that guy is going to have a, buff, a bad night. And right now he's going to be – I mean, he guards everybody. They switch. They do a lot of different things. But right now he is making Chris Paul's life hell. And look, I saw a lot of speculation about Chris Paul in the hand and this or that. Here's what I know. He's guarded Chris Paul for 78 possessions and forced seven turnovers. That's – Dennis Schroeder in the in the, the previous round, 83 possessions just one turnover i saw that stat come up and then even if you just look at the field goal percentage numbers and you just look at chris paul who i i think my personal theory is drew holiday is guarding him so well that we think he's injured we think chris paul might have an injury <laughs> but to me it's drew, Hol- drew holiday is a hell of a defender yeah and that's why you bring in a guy like drew holiday i've seen a lot of takes about his offense and it seems like how his offense goes the bucks go uh, so far in this series, but they brought him in for his defense right. too. He's an incredible defender. And so on one of those two guys, that's exactly what you want. And so, yeah. And uh, I, I think I would rather have Devin Booker beat me than Chris Paul. So I think the bucks are do are playing it the right, right. way. Right. I, I would agree with that. And Devin Booker was obviously spectacular, but maybe you go, it depends on how you look at this. You might look at it and say, Hey, Chris Paul has been struggling now a couple games against drew holiday. Devin Booker went off. He had a fantastic game. And if they would have won this game, it would have been, a very memorable, we might have knee-jerk reaction. Is Devin Booker the best guard in the NBA? You know, we would have really started yeah, right. 40 points in a finals against a very good defensive team is very impressive. But the flip side of that is you got that from Devin Booker and you didn't win. Are you going to get that same performance from him in game five? I don't know. Maybe, right. but but maybe not because he made a lot of really tough shots. Devin Booker, 10th youngest player in NBA history to score 40 in an NBA finals game. He's uh, 24 in in something number of days. Magic Johnson was four years younger than him when he scored 40 (laughs) in that NBA Finals game in 1980. That's so wild to me. Think back to that. That is wild. Four years younger than Booker. Booker seems so young still right now. Uh, Who's your key for game five? Is it Chris Paul? Is it it Drew Holiday? Is it, you know, Giannis feels like he's going to be who he is. He kind of had an off game, actually, offensively, at least in game four. But who's the key or the X factor, I guess, for either team or whichever one you want to pick? Well, on Phoenix's side, I'm going to say DeAndre Ayton. And when you say X factor, I don't know. He's on the border of is he an X factor? Is he like a star where you just need him to be great? But I I think that he has some untapped potential in the series, meaning that I think he can make more of an impact and they need him to make more of an impact, in part just because – you know, Giannis has been so fantastic. I don't think anybody, obviously, on, on Phoenix can guard him. But can you put enough pressure on the rim that it changes the way Giannis has to defend? And, and to me, that's going to be one of the big adjustments for Phoenix is maybe trying to get eight and a little bit more aggressive, trying to score the ball, and maybe even trying to get him to the line. I know he doesn't shoot a lot of free throws, but trying to draw some, some contact. Um, I, I just think they need him to step outside of his comfort zone. Everything this playoffs has been, look at the efficiency, look at this. A lot of that has been because he has accepted a somewhat marginal but important role. I think in this series they need him to step outside of that just a little bit, but they need it, and and I'm curious to see if he can do it. Man, it, to me it's like which ben, which random bench player is going to show up, right? Because it seems like when Bobby Portis has that game, he shows up. When right. Pat Connaughton has a pretty good game, right. then the Bucks win. When Campaign has a good game, you know, Cam Johnson yeah. has a good game. It just seems like they need just one guy every night to step up. And so uh, the X factor for – I'm going to go Campaign as my X factor. Okay. I think, I think that's the guy. If he, I mean, if he has a good game, I think that goes in the Suns' favor a, 
like that's that does more for the Suns than I think than any b- bench player for the for the Bucks to me. Uh, he's, he's more of a true X factor in that like not that much is expected of him. So if he does have right. a big performance, it's like yeah, that swings things. That swings things quite a bit. On the other side, if we go to Milwaukee, again, it depends on how we define this X factor, but there's three games left in the series, potentially three games. I think Drew Holiday is going to have one good scoring game left. Uh, he plays great defense every night. He makes X-factor plays. He rebounds. He does all the stuff, and he's valuable even if he doesn't score. But I think that in the games that he does score, Milwaukee's going to win. And if that comes in game five and you get to come home with a chance to win a championship, I think you win it. So I think Watch he has one six. more – I think he has one more good game of him. If it's game six, okay, you know, you kind of expect it at home. If you get that on the road, I think Milwaukee wins the series. I want Bucks in six just for Brandon Jennings, just to get the <laughs> final, like, just to get that resolution right there. But Bucks fans have been chanting Bucks in six. Obviously, I wanted to go seven because this series has been so fun. I've really enjoyed yeah. this series so far. It's it. I don't know if these are the two best teams in the NBA, right? It's all the injuries and everything, but. They're two evenly matched teams, yeah. and that makes it really fun to see the back and forth to see, okay, is Giannis just going to keep barreling to the rim and and getting fouled and going to the free throw line? Is his confidence going to be shaken because of an airballed free throw? Is you know is Devin Booker going to be able to bounce back from a 10-point game? All this stuff has just been been super fun to watch. Can I, can I tell you who this hidden star has been of these finals? The sneaky star? Ooh. The fan bases. The Guy Fieri? The Phoenix and Milwaukee fan bases. <laughs> I mean, they have really been impressive. That crowd you're talking about – Bucks in six, which is obviously a a little yeah. bit of a nod to Suns and four, which has been you know the, the chant as as you're leaving game two, Suns and four chant on on Phoenix's crowd. You get back and say no, Bucks and six. Like I just these two crowd bases, <laughs> uh, fan bases have been dialed in. The crowds have been fantastic, and you look outside a Fiserv uh, arena, and you've got people standing out, thousands of people standing outside of a home game watching it. I'm just I'm so impressed with both fan bases. Uh, the Bucks in six has a has a history too with Brandon Jennings and and call, calling it back. I think the Bucks were like an eight seed, and they call he called it back against like Miami or something like that. <laughs> oh man, gotta love the rational confidence guys. Any other thoughts about the finals? Not really. A great series. Um, I'm gonna feel bad for whichever team loses. I won't necessarily I feel bad if it's Chris Paul. I won't feel bad for him the first day. But- <laughs> But both of these teams, Are you a Chris Paul yeah. hater? I, there are some people that are just Chris Paul haters like through and through. I kind of am. And I, I you know, I like this playoff run, I, I like loved him and was like, oh man, it's gonna be great for him to get yeah. he's so good, he deserves it. But then he just it's too much, man. There's <laughs> flopping is the unforgivable sin in sports, and he just takes it to the like top Ooh. level. It just he takes it just so far that by the end of any game I watch, I'm just so annoyed with him. Between Chris Paul, Jay Crowder. And PJ Tucker, who who has flopped to the floor unnecessarily the most in this series? It's still him, man. It's still Chris Paul. Like <laughs> Chris Pauls are so mechanical. Like he he, some guys react and flop to sell a fall. Like he goes down the court like I'm gonna flop right here. <laughs> yeah, look at his eye, premeditated, first degree flopping. Jay Crowder gets touched on the fingers and he falls over. Man. Like his legs just completely go out from under him. It's wild to watch some of these. Like. Oh, I'm I've been liking some of the Olympics and FIBA international play where love it. you get the the fake flopping and they don't call it. I, I think that's good for the game. Love it. All right, coming up, we're gonna power rank the best. Speaking of Olympic teams, coming up the five best Olympic teams. Adam will do it right because I don't know how to do power rankings. Apparently, he'll do it right, so he'll, he has it for you coming up. But before we do, got to talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're delicious. I had one. 
You can hear the wrapper and you can see it if you're watching on YouTube. I just had the mint brownie. They're absolutely great. They have all kinds of new flavors coming out all the time. Double chocolate, the orange strawberry. You can go check those out. Raspberry and cherry barcia are solid. And these bars are pretty good for you. This mint brownie bar that I just ate has 130 calories. That's it. 130 calories for a protein bar plus just four grams of sugar. Four grams of sugar for a bar covered in 100% chocolate. They're great. The protein packed in them as well. You can go get them at built.com or builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. All right, Adam Mars, let's get into our power rankings. You're ranking the five best men's basketball Olympic teams heading into the Tokyo Olympics that are starting soon. The opening ceremonies are next Friday. I can't wait. Can I tell you a thing? So I got a six-year-old and a four-year-old, two daughters, and the Olympics are like a special thing because I remember as a kid, you know, like the Olympics come around, the whole family gets together, and as yeah, right. a father and daughter, I got one that does gymnastics. You know, she's always doing cartwheels around the house. I can't tell you how excited I am for the Olympics, for this, to get to watch all these events, you know, with my kids. So I know it's kind of a corny thing, but um, I'm, I'm sneaky, very excited for these Olympics. They're great just to have anything on. And all of a sudden you're like super into during the winter Olympics, like bobsled. You're like, oh, totally. man, I, I know exactly who what's happening Big now. But, guy. Like, how many Olympians can you name right now off the top of your head? I feel like I can only name like five right now that are going to be in this Olympics besides basketball. Yeah, players. I was going to say the whole basketball take out, team. Take out men's and women's Olympics. Yeah, I got I got uh, Simone Biles. Sure. Right? It's like, it's like <laughs> but, but it, in like two months, you'll be able to name like 100, oh, right? Totally. Totally. I'll have the jersey. Archery or whatever. Backstory. I'll be, oh, yeah, that's the guy who fought a bear one time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, is it Jokic? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, basketball, though. Basketball. Okay. Top five. This was really yep. tough. I looked at I looked at some of the like you know the odds, um, you know, bet online's uh, who do they got? Who's favored? You know, obviously the USA is favored pretty heavily, but every team after that, I feel like we're going to have some crazy upsets. Even if you go to the group play, I mean, you have two groups. One of has Nigeria, who's been fantastic by the way, three and zero in friendlies, just absolutely dominant. <laughs> Italy and Australia. So one of those three teams is going to go back, full of NBA players on all three of those teams. Then you got Argentina, Spain, Slovenia. Another one of those two, uh, three teams is going to yeah. go home. Like, uh, there's going to be a crazy good team that doesn't make it out of pool play. I don't remember the last time that that was the case. Usually, you've got okay teams, but those are all good teams. Yeah, it's uh, Slovenia all the way, <laughs> gold medal. Let's all right, go. so I have to give you my top five, my <laughs> top five, and I have a spoiler. Is this recency bias? I think so. I think it is recency bias. This team is, <laughs> according to the odds, they shouldn't be in the top five. They should be a little bit lower, but I've got them, and that's Nigeria. Mike, Mike Brown's Whoa! Nigeria team. They just beat Team USA. They just beat Argentina, wow. beat down Argentina and, and USA. Like they're, They might be a sneaky really good team they've got some nba players not guys that you would think are like okay josh akogi is really going to lead a team or uh jaleel okafor all of a sudden dominant force but those guys just they play well um they, they've got shooting they've got some uh, dribble drive attack they've got some defense i think nigeria is legitimate fascinating maybe a little maybe a little reach there because of the friendlies i i'm interested to see the difference between right. an exhibition game and then like at a game that matters, right? I'm very interested, especially for Team USA and then for some of these teams. But yeah, they got talent for sure. 
Caleb Agata. That's the name to keep your eye on. Why? Because he's on the Nuggets' summer league team, so he's got to be great. <laughs> Caleb Agata. He actually does look pretty good. I got I to gotta say in these friendlies. Toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe <laughs> with Kevin Durant. It's amazing. Let's number, go. Number four, another team that beat the U.S., I would say upset, but maybe not so much, Australia. So low. I do have them a little low. They were actually the tested. Aussies. A A A. I know this is this is I'm being a little bit tough here on on Australia. Um, they've got Delavadova. We always we all remember him. Uh, you got Patty Mills. You've got some, <laughs> you've got some NBA talent there. Let me actually go through the list because they have quite a few guys. Joe Ingles, yeah, Aaron Baines, mm -hmm. uh, Dante Exum, Josh Green, and Matisse Thybul. By the way, Matisse Thybul make he has a case for being the best perimeter like wing defender in the NBA. So they've got they've kind of got guys inside. They got guards. They got speed. They got shooting, and they have most importantly a bunch of guys that have just been through this before. Patty, uh, Joe Ingles yep. was asked after they beat the U.S. very nonchalantly. He said, "Well, look, we come into this game expecting to win, so it's not a shock to us." And it sounds cocky, but hey, they've this isn't the, they're not going to be asking to take pictures with Kevin Durant. Like they've been they've played against these guys in the Olympics for years now. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that is a lot of wing defenders, too, I was thinking about. You got Tybal, like you said. Joe Ingles, yep. pretty good defender. Josh Green is yep. real underutilized wing for the Mavericks. Della Vadova, is he still playing defense? Probably. Probably still doing scrappy things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're pretty good. And Dante Exum, too, you know, healthy and playing well. So that's that's kind of neat. I might have them too low. Number three. And then Patty Mills always goes nuts in international no, play. So there's always – there's something about these guys that they go to international play and they just become so else. true. Um, next, next team. I've got your Slovenian team. Now they have fewer Too low. Uh, NBA players, but they have one who's kind of important than Luka Doncic. Um, and my guy, Vlatko Chanchar from the Denver Nuggets, very solid player. Yeah. But yeah. Luka. It's funny because team USA has all of these like guys, these superstar players, but Luka, for whatever reason, just looks so comfortable like running a team full of role players. He's been, been there, there in Dallas for years doing it. There he is <laughs> in Slovenia. He looks even better playing for Slovenia. Um, I had to put him third. Yeah, they're going to be great. I think they have not lost a – Slovenia has as a national team has not lost a game since Luka Doncic started playing for them. They won Eurobasket in 2017. I think they're 13-0 and since Luka has started playing for them. So they're not looking to make that change anytime soon. What are the chances Slovenia doesn't make it out, though? Because they have Argentina and Spain. I know. That would and be Japan, brutal. Japan should be the distant fourth. Uh, zero. The chance is zero, Adam Morris. <laughs> well, number two is, for me at least, is Spain. They've got Marc Gasol, Billy Hernan Gomez, Ricky Rubio, Alex Abrines, Rudy Fernandez, former, mm -hmm. former NBA guy, and Pau Gasol. Is Juancho Hernan Gomez, did he get out? Is he not playing for them? Do we know? I thought I saw that both brother, both Hernan Gomez brothers were playing. I'm searching news right now because I thought I, I thought for sure he was in, but um, yeah, I'm not seeing anything anything recent. Well, with, them. with the Team USA news, guys are dropping like crazy, right? Like right. Bradley Beal is all of a sudden not playing anymore. Uh, Jeremy Grant is all of a sudden in health and safety protocol. So right. these things, this these well, are living, breathing rosters. They change, they change <laughs> day to day. Yeah, I can't I can't find anything updated on on Wancho, so I assume he's playing. Maybe they just forgot him on, on this list of NBA <laughs> players. <laughs> could could be. Um, he's the much better Hernan Gomez brother. Yeah, I think he's good in international play too. If you have like traditionally, he fits on that team very well because he's a great like just fifth option all at all times. So. Um, man, is Wancho going to swing my vote? Do I have to need to move them down if he's not? 
watch of the swing factor. Tell me, which player would you take over Luca on the Spain team? Nobody, right? So you might as well. <laughs> um, you know, Rudy Fernandez. That's who I would take over him now. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, number one, it's no surprise. It is Germany with Mo. No, I'm just kidding. It's Team USA. Shut it down. <laughs> oh, my Let's go. <laughs> take German. No, it's uh, Team USA. has got to be number one. Look, I'll be honest. Man. Nervous? If you ask me, they, they are minus 370 to win this tournament. I don't like those odds. Like, I, I kind of feel like those might be too high, like too favorable to, to Team USA because they Dang. can't guard the perimeter. And maybe they'll get some reinforcements in a, in a Drew Holiday, but maybe not. And they have some holes. Like, this is a very flawed Team USA, but we can also not overthink it. They do have Kevin Durant. He's easily i think the best player in this in this tournament i mean luca can give him a little bit of a run but you know kevin durant's pretty darn good um there was interesting actually i should bring this up here i was listening to zach Lowe and brian windhorse talk about team usa and how they both of them saying they were not surprised that they have struggled in these friendlies and he said because everything they keep hearing out of camp is just how tired these guys are mentally and physically yeah right and they're happy to be there but that's a story to watch like some of these guys might have sort of buyer's remorse where they're like, yeah, I'll do that. But we're, we'll do that. And then you get into it a couple of weeks and you're like, you know what? I'm pretty tired. <laughs> Plus, I mean, the going over to Tokyo, the jet lag, the, all that kind of stuff, like that all just wears on you after a while, being away from home. And it's a long commitment. It's a really long commitment. Plus, this season was kind of long and the off season's going to be short and all that. I mean, there's a lot of factors going into this, but yeah, I, I like that Team USA is not going to be this dream team, like, dominant force. I like – like, there's going to be stakes in these games. But there's still – here's the thing about that, because I'd be with you if they weren't all great scorers. And it just feels different. I mean, I think they could have had a more balanced roster. Kevin Love, I don't know what his role is on this team. I feel like they could have used some more interior defense. But they have a bunch of scores, so I think it's going to feel like such a failure if they don't win. But at the same time – True. Damian Lillard, uh, uh, Zach Levine – um bradley beal those are all that's like three of the same players gone brad beal's gone oh that's right brad beal's now in the protocol so you're right he's out of there so but still you get uh, drew holiday sneaky gonna be extremely important to this team as the only guard that can guard yeah, he will be. that's wild how important he might be for this team to say he's important for the bucks he's more is he more okay here we go is he more important for team usa or the bucks right now <laughs> Drew it Holiday. might be Team USA. <laughs> they don't have anybody that could guard. Like, not a single player. You know what? Patty Mills looks That's like a good Steph Curry question. against them. Man, interesting. There you go. That's your five. The best teams. There's somebody that got left off, I'm sure. We'll hear from people about it. Uh, there you go. That's locked the in on being. Thanks uh, for we might get. I might get a call from David Locke since my left go Bears French team off. But they're out of there. Get them out of there. Get him out. Frankie Smokes, out of here. No way. Get him out. Uh, yeah, watch them beat oh, Team USA. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> the biggest thing. There you go. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On NBA. You can go listen to Locked On Mavs with me and Locked On Nuggets with Adam Mares. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On NBA. Boom. Boom.